You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about things that coaches can do to create additional wins in a match, create additional uh, motivational things that athletes can achieve in addition to potentially winning a game. You know, and there's so many different uh traditions and factors that happen in all different types of sports and in a lot of different types of locker rooms all over uh, the country and in many different sports. And I'm going to share with you some of the things that we do and some of the things that I've uh, seen other coaches do and, you know, hopefully in, uh, inspire you to create something for your own team. Um, so yeah, so that's what today's episode is going to be about. Stay tuned. It's definitely one you don't want to miss. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 188 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball in the books. Hello and welcome to the podcast. If you are a new listener, what's going on? My name is Coach Brian Singh and I'm the host of the podcast. And if you are a regular listener, as always, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode where the goal is going to give you try to give you step-by-step, tangible strategies you can take back to your gym and apply right away and see results. That's what this podcast is all about. It's all about giving you, you know, things, tangible things you can actually use with your team. So thank you so much for joining me, all of you. And uh, yeah, last week, we had a great episode last week. I had a lot of great feedback. If you haven't got a chance to listen to last week's episode, I interviewed Dane and Gemma. Uh, he's playing pro in Finland right now. He was a three-time All-American at UCLA, one of the best middles in North America when he was playing college ball. And um, yeah, he's, uh, he's he's playing pro and he brought him on and he shared some really cool insight into co- into what he, you know, the characteristics and things that he found in great coaches and he shared his experiences uh, across, you know, national team, college team, et cetera. But um, I had a lot of coaches reach out and say they, they took a lot of things away from that episode. So if you, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it yet, I uh, really recommend you doing that. It's, it's a good one. But let's get to today's episode. Today's episode is um, it's an interesting one, you know? A win within the game, like uh, in addition to you know winning the match. I wanted to bring to you some of the things that I've seen, I've heard, or seen other coaches do, as well as our own team, when it comes to adding different type of elements to a match besides the actual volleyball side of it. So what are some extra things that we can do, some extra things to motivate players, um, some extra things to create a much better match experience for players that are on the floor, you know, all these things. And, uh, you know, in basketball, you know, in basketball, if if you get a win or if someone hits a milestone at the end of the game, they're going to get the game ball. And that's a really cool thing that uh, someone can look forward to, they get the game ball and they, you know, they, they treasure it because they hit a milestone. Um, in, in baseball, you know, you get a, if for pitchers that got, get no hitters, like that, that's like a huge milestone and, and they get something for that. If someone gets their first home run or, you know, like there's so many different things. And, and I know other coaches and other uh, sports teams and things like that will also create other wins that 
player is if they meet a certain criteria they, they'll get and it's always nice to have something like that in your gym and you know how, to, how we can do that in volleyball is uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways we can do it in volleyball and I'm gonna share with you three things that we do on our team that help motivate um, help create a better experience for the players and um, and it's fun it creates fun when it when it happens everyone gets to celebrate it um, clap it out for that individual that you know achieved whatever accomplishment they achieved and it's just, it just creates a better experience for the for the team so let's talk about a couple of things we'll, we'll start off with the the most simple simple one and that's player of the game okay I highly encourage you to have a player of the game now one of the first things you're gonna have to decide is do you have a player of the game regardless of whether you win or lose see that that, that one is an interesting one and I know there are coaches who have a who will always have a player of the game regardless of how regardless of whether you win or lose and, and I respect that and and I actually agree with that ideology you know no matter what happens in a match there's always a player on your team who stood out in, in some way shape or form Right? And sometimes it might even be more important to have a player of the game when you lose so you have something to celebrate, you have something to be positive about, and you can highlight some of the great things this player did to help us try to win the game. And you can build off that. So it could be seen as a, as a positive thing. Okay, We actually only have a player of the game on wins. Now what I'll do is if we don't, if we lose, I won't have a player of the game, but I'll have an honorable mention. So I still take the time to acknowledge certain players that did great things in the match, even though we lost. Like, for example, we lost a, a tough fifth setter last week, and that seems to be like the theme of my season this year, is winning fifth setters. We, we are, again, I, I mentioned in the pod before, we're really young. We have been in six five setters, and have only won one of them. Every other win we've had have been pretty good wins. Either been three, you know, like three O's, um, not many three ones. It's basically either been three or we lose in five. It's really weird. But we have a young team, a talented team, but a young team. So, and we picked up a lot of losses early in the season when they were trying to figure it out. So we do have like honorable mentions. So in that game, for example, where we lost, but we lost 17-15 in the fifth set. So that game could have gone either way. And that was against the number one team um, in the East. And it was a great team. And we were, you know, like like I said, we were, we lost by two. So I didn't have a player of the game, but I had a ton of honorable mentions because we had two players on our team have career highs. And I had to acknowledge that we had career highs on the team. So things like that, you have to acknowledge, but we as a group collectively came to the agreement that we will only have player of the game on wins. So there's a little more, a little, a little more I don't want to say value, but uh, there's a little more pride in that, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, now, how do you decide who is going to be the player of the game? Every coach, you guys can do this differently. It is, it is all, it, there's no right or wrong answer to this. But here is some of the things that we look at. The first thing we're going to look at is, is the stats. So we're going to look at the stats and see who was performing, you know, like who performed the best. And, and the stats is relative to your position. Obviously, if you're a libero, you're not going to have any kills. So we're going to look at your digs and your, um, and your serve receive. You know, if you're a setter, obviously you're not going to be able to get uh, kills. So we're going to look at your defense and your setting and things like that. So you understand what I'm saying? Like we're looking at relative to your position. So we'll look at stats. The next thing we'll do is we'll look at impact. Sometimes if, you know, you don't have the best stat line on the team, but your impact was tremendous, you know, 
Like, let's say, for example, you have a pretty good stat line. You obviously were within the top of the stats on the team, but you also made a game-saving dig. You made a game on, on match point. You, you, put, you put the ball away. Uh, you made some big-time plays in big-time moments that helped shift the match in our favor. You know, impact. What was your impact? Um, that's something we also look at probably just, just as much as we look at stats, we look at impact. Uh, the third thing in terms of player of the game criteria is we look at leadership. So what is um how how was that player on the court? Were they quiet or did they display any leadership? Now again, that doesn't trump impact and stats, but it's something that we want to consider as well. And then the fourth thing is teammate. You know how good of a teammate was that player in the course of this match? So we look at all four. Obviously, stats and impact a little bit more have a little bit more play than leadership and teammate. But leadership and teammate absolutely have a play. Like for example. If you have the stats, but you are a really bad teammate, then you're not going to get MVP or a player of the game. It's just not going to happen, right? Because we value character, we value family and things like that. And that, that trumps, even though it's, it's, not, um, like it's not a deciding factor, it definitely trumps uh, st- stats if, if, uh, if you don't have that, okay? So you, you, you get what I'm saying. Okay, now, the next thing, so that's player of the game. So player of the game, um, let me just wrap this player of the game concept up. Is At the end of the game, you know, we'll, um, coaches will, will have a debrief if we win, and we'll I'll look at it. And we, the first thing we do is look at the stats, and then we'll have a discussion. Well, this player hit this high percentage, um, but this player also impacted the game in this way and this way. And we have, a, we have a good discussion about player of the game. And we've always all come to a consensus of who it's going to be. Things you might want to consider as well at player of the game is if, if the same player is getting it multiple times. So now I'm going to sound, I'm going to, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here. There is merit to having, if you have a player, an outstanding player, player of the game who absolutely deserves it every single game, then you continue to give that player, player of the game, until someone else shows you something that will warrant that they are considered for player of the game. So here is a situation. Sometimes you might have, you might be coaching a team where you have a LeBron, you have an all-star. You have a player who every single game, they are leading in impact and stats. Every single game. Okay, if you, you might have that. You might not, but you might have that. So that player is going to get player of the game multiple times. But... What I encourage you to do is I encourage you to look and see if, yes, that player may have dominated the game in stats and impact, but was there another player who had the best game of their career or the best game of their season? That's when you can start making decisions to, to have those players become player of the game if the best player has gotten it multiple times. You know, think, things like that. So the, the, only, the only reason I contradict myself here is because I do believe, I wholeheartedly believe that when you're sitting down and you're determining MVPs of a season and MVPs of um, of the league and, and things like that, you look at stats and impact and, and you don't factor in, oh, did they get MVP last season? That that I I, 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 like, I don't care if they got MVP last season. If they're the MVP of this season, then they're the MVP of this season. Last season is irrelevant. And I, I always get in this fight with when I when I when I do this high school um this high school team that I coach. And sometimes I don't attend these meetings anymore, but sometimes I'll sit in on the meetings where they're determining athlete of the year. And this is where the, the coach in me um, gets frustrated and not the teacher in me. And mind you, this is my opinion and coaches listening to this can, can think completely differently, but I'm under the pretense that, you know, the MVP, the athlete of the year is 
the best athlete, the best athlete in the school or the best performer at their sport in the school. I am not a believer that you have to play a minimum of, you know, three, be on three different teams in order to be considered athlete of the year. Now that goes against a lot of teachers. I know because they think that you can't just play on one team and get athlete of the year. And I understand what they're saying, but in my, my belief is that if you are the best, if you are the LeBron James of basketball at your school and you don't play on multiple different teams and there's no other, you know, the Serena Williams in tennis or the whatever you want to call it on other teams, then, but that athlete has played on multiple different teams. They're not the best athlete in the school. Just because you play on more teams doesn't mean you're the best athlete. So that's the way I look at it. And, you know, I, I don't go to those meetings anymore because uh, I think it's a, I think I'm the, I'm the oddball out. No one really, not a lot of people agree with that. So I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, everyone's different. Uh, but I believe that it's the best athlete, period. Or, or, the, or, the, or the best player at their sport by a long shot. Like not just a little bit, but you're like a, you have a national team talent. You're, you're going D1 or, or something like that. Okay. So there you go. So the, you got to decide if that play, if you're going to give another player the game because that player has had too many and someone else had an impact and someone else had their best performance. So factor in things like that. And the only reason I mentioned that is because we had a player of the game the other day and one of the coaches mentioned, but this player has never gotten it yet. And they're, they're having a really good game. And they mentioned that in like the, we, we knew we were going to win the match. And they mentioned that like in the middle of the third set. And we all thought about it. And then we ended up giving it to the player who deserved it, who had the best impact stats, you name it, he had it because at the end of the day, like he just, he performed at such a high level. And unfortunately, not everyone is going to be a recipient of player of the game. It's unfortunate, but you got to decide what works for you. Okay. I'm sorry. I ranted for like 10 minutes on this topic. So let's move on to another criteria that we have in our locker room. And this is by uh, my one of my assistant coaches, Robert. He he has taken it upon himself to do this initiative. And we call it, or he calls it rather, uh, the oxtail player of the game. So I, I don't know, I don't know where this came from. I don't know what why he decided to do oxtail player of the game instead of like a subway player of the game or or some some other like typical like you know what you what you see on TV but he he decided to go oxtail player of the game so and he calls it powered by ox it's actually really funny hey by the way so if there's anyone here that wants to sponsor a player of the game and we we would welcome any sponsors by the way so if you want to be our our sponsor for player of the game or it's, that's that's absolutely uh, I'm open just 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 message me hit me up and we'll we'll sponsor it <laughs> Uh, so we're always looking for sponsors. So anyways, this is the Oxtail player of the game. So you can get player of the game just in general. And oh, I got to go back. I'm so sorry. I forgot to mention the, probably an important point of player of the game. Okay. So after they get player of the game, um, you as a coach have to decide what do they get? What do they get for getting player of the game? So what we do is we have them, every player of the game, uh, when they win it, they get they sign a ball. So we have a volleyball. And they'll sign it. They'll date it. They'll put versus what team and the whatever the match win was. So like either three one, three two, three zero, and then they'll put their name. So it's it's on the ball. And every time there's a player of the game, they get that. And then at the end of the year, um, the MVP of that season will get that ball, and we'll try to do something nice for them. Now I actually haven't given the MVP out yet because those guys are still in our program, and I want to give them a graduation gift when they leave. But after they graduate going forward, we're going to do like at the end of the season, um, the MVP of the team is going to get that ball. 
and we'll try to put in a nice case for them and make it look all nice. So that's what we do. Um, I've seen other teams do uh, trophies, like a little MVP trophy. You can do a little mini trophy. I've seen medals. I have, you know, order a bunch of medals. Um, I've seen, what else? Do I have a bat. I think the baseball team, they do a, they have a bat that goes around and they sign the bat. At the end of the year, someone gets the bat. Um, so there, you can have fun with it. Um, basketball, like I mentioned, game ball. So there's a lot of different things you can do with it. You you come up with something that the player of the game either gets, signs, or whatever meaning you want to throw behind that, that they have to get something, okay? So sorry, I added more time onto that player of the game talk, but uh, that's what it is. Okay, so let's move on to the oxtail one that I just mentioned. So the oxtail player of the game um, has to hit a certain criteria, and Coach Robert also requires the team to win. So we have to win as well as hit the criteria. And here, and there are six criterias to get player of the game because we, we also we want to factor in different positions like I mentioned earlier. So here is how you get Oxtail player of the game. You have to either get, so the first thing you can do is get five blocks. So if you achieve five blocks, you get an Oxtail player of the game. Um, if you get 15 digs, Oxtail player of the game. 10 assists per set, so that's like just for the setter. Uh, the uh, for number four, 15 kills on 0.3 hitting percentage for outsides, and 10 kills. So and that's that's another one. That's four, uh, five, 10 kills on at least a 0.4 percentage for middles, and then the last one is five aces. So if anyone hits any of those criteria, they get oxtail. So you can have multiple Oxtail player of the games, and that's happened many times. So let me just uh, go over that one more time because I, I, I was kind of all over the place. So there are, there's six things, okay? There's six things that you can get. The first one is five blocks. The second one is 15 digs. The third one is 10 assists per set. The fourth one is 15 kills on 0.3 hitting percentage for outsides or pins or, yeah, pins and left sides. The fifth thing you can do is 10 kills on at least 0.4 percentage for middles. And the last thing is five aces. So if you hit any of those milestones or criteria, you are going to get oxtail player of the game. And then Robert will bring in uh, an oxtail dinner or lunch for you at the next practice. And he takes a picture and it's fun. And the, and the guys love it. Guys love it. I don't know what is it about this oxtail, but they love it. So we haven't changed. I think Robert offered, um, we had a winner last game, and I think he offered either jerk chicken or oxtail. So uh, whatever you want. So good. Robert has it, and, and, and Robert's been doing that for years, and the guys love it. They absolutely love it. Okay, so the third thing we do, okay, yeah, we do we do, we do a little bit here. It's, it's, you know, we always, we like the wins within the wins here. So we have player of the game, we have oxtail player of the game. And the third thing we do has to deal with serving. So one of the mindset shifts, actually, this was a mindset shift that I I, um, I did this season, I haven't done this before, is really instead of focusing so much on um, penalizing the errors, we want to encourage the non-errors, if you know what I mean. So you don't know what I mean. Let me explain this. Let's talk about serving, for example, okay? So with serving, I in the past, I've been fixated a little too much on serving errors, so we're, all, we're always trying to say, minimize your errors, minimize your errors, minimize your serving errors. And, and some of the narrative has been around serve tough, um, but be intentional with your serve and try to minimize our errors. So we've shifted the mindset to not think about errors, but rather think about serving consistency, like just serving. Don't talk about the errors, talk about serving. And a way that we've done this to add a win is 
we say if you get if you get four serves in a row, okay? So if you're a player and you get four serves in a row where you've got the point. So player so a player goes up, he serves, you guys get the point. Doesn't have to be an ace, but you guys get the point on that. Serves again, you guys get the point. Serves again, you guys get the point. So you essentially have to go on a 4-0 run with that player still serving. Okay, so if he serves four in a row, he or she serves four in a row, that player gets a reward. Uh, it could be a donut, it could be a gift card. We do like a, a little gift card at you know Tim Hortons or Starbucks. We'll do a, a small gift card. If that player gets five serves in a row, so that, that's you have to go on a five-row run in this case, the entire team gets something. So the entire team can get like a box of donuts or uh, the entire team can get like one item at Starbucks or Tim Hortons or something like that. And this is a little a little thing of, again, we're, we're shifting our mindset this season on instead of focusing on the errors, we're focusing on, in this case, all you're doing is you're focusing on the serve. So we're rewarding serve. We're not talking about errors. We're rewarding the serve. So this one has a different mindset instead of like saying, instead of reversing and saying, hey, if you if you commit less than, if you don't commit a serving error, you get something. Instead of saying that, we're like, if you get four serves in a row, we're shifting the mindset a little bit, you're going to get something. So that's a mindset shift that we've done too. Is and we haven't really worried about the hitting, like the errors on on attacks, the errors on serve. We're more we're more focused on the results. So we're more focused on like the result the result of that action as opposed to what could potentially happen. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I don't know, I'm kind of talking all over the map here, but I hope you understand that that's kind of our focus now. Now, is there a time and place to mention serving errors? Sure, there is. At post game, we could talk about it and say if we minimized it, you know, we'll we'll be better. But in in the game, we're just talking about you know, let's get the next one in. Let's try to hit that four in a row mark. Let's try to hit that four in a row by by also being tough, like serving tough. And when we shifted this mindset, our serving has been fantastic, as well as our offense, for example. Our offense has been fantastic too. And it's not like our, our serving has gotten so much better in the course of a month. It's it's been relatively, it's improved, but not a mu- not as much as our, our results have improved, if you know what I mean. Like our, our serving numbers have been so much better. So a little mindset shift there, just something to play with. And and what I, what I encourage you coaches to do is think about, you know, other things that you can do. Now, it doesn't have to be like, we have three. That's a lot. You don't have to have three. You don't have to have four. You can have a couple. You know, whatever you feel. But it's nice because the, the the players love it, and it's also it makes your debrief so much more enjoyable. Even when you lose, when you have the honorable mentions, it it gives the the kids and the players just something positive to leave with at the end of the day. And you know, I'm all about that. And if you could do that, it, you're it's a win in my book. So, and the other thing too with serving, like it's hard to get four serves in a row. It's hard. It's really hard to get four serves in a row to go on a four or run. Like four or runs happen, but not when you're like it's hard to get. So essentially, it's like a five or run if you think about it. Because when you when you get that first point, you get the ball back. Then you get a chance to serve. So when you go on a when you go on a four serves in a row, you've essentially gone on a five or run because you because you already got that first point to get the ball back to serve. So that's hard to do. It's not easy. And then if you get five serves in a row, you've essentially gone on a 6-0 run. So it's hard to do. So uh, and it, and it, it, it again shifts the mindset. So that's um that's what we do. We haven't done hitting or anything like that, but we the, the serves is, is again serving is serving and passing are the two most important things in our game, and the best serving and passing teams win. So we we threw that in there. We haven't done a uh, we haven't done a passing one yet, but maybe down the road we'll see. Okay, so let's just let's just do a little recap here. Okay. So the, the whole point of today was, you know, how can we create additional wins in a match? 
You know, how can we create additional things to motivate your players in a match? And and what's what's really cool about this is at the end of the day, the, the, the our players are still focused on the match objections. Uh, objectives, sorry, not objections. And that's whatever our game plan says. So our players are still focused on the game plan that's in front of them. But when they hit that third serve in a row, everybody knows and everyone's like, hey, he's got three, We're, he might get four. And it creates that extra enjoyment in the game. And it's not taking away anything from the game. It's not having them lose focus on what's important, which is winning the game and following the game plan and, and, and being tactical. But it's a nice added element to, hey, you might get four in a row. Wow, we might get, we might get a, he might get a gift card. Oh, he might get five in a row. We might, we all might get something. You know, it's something nice, and the and the athletes love it. So, let's let's just do a quick recap. Um, player of the game. Okay, I, I highly encourage you to have a player of the game, and as a coach, decide if it's a player of the game only on wins or if it's a player of the game after every game. You do it, and make sure that the player of the game gets to do something, either get something in return, either a little trophy, a medal, a gift card, a, a, a donut, like whatever you want, or they sign something or they or they add something to the to something else where they'll get at the end of the season. So we, in our case, we have them sign a volleyball. Every player of the game signs the volleyball with their name, the date, and the, the team they played against and the match score. And then at the end of the season, we'll give it to the MVP of the season. And how do we decide player of the game? Uh, stats, impact, leadership, and teammate. Those are the things that we look at, okay? Then I mentioned uh, that our coach, Coach Robert, has his Oxdale player of the game as well, and that is when you hit a certain criteria, and there are six different criterias you can hit to get player of the game. So in other words, multiple players can get this uh, Oxdale player of the game award, and that is uh, the first thing you can do is get five blocks. The second thing is 15 digs. The third thing is 10 assists per set. The fourth thing is 15 kills on 0.3 hitting percentage for outsides. The fifth thing is 10 kills on at least 0.4 percentage for middles. So hitting percentage is 0.4. And then the last thing you can do is get is get five aces. And then you get you get oxtail at the uh, at your next practice. Um, or if multiple players get it, they all get it. I think one time we had we had a ton of players hit milestones. I think we had like five players hit these milestones, and Coach Robert just did like a got like a pot of oxtail or something like that. Uh, was, the, the kids love it, so it is what it is. Uh, and then the third thing that we do is four serves in a row. Um, so you have to go essentially on a four zero run with while you're serving. So it's not it's not four serves made like you miss one uh, you get one the other team scores and you come back around and you get one again it's you have to be scoring that point and you have to continue serving four in a row okay that's so that player can get a donut they can get a, a gift card you can get them whatever you want and in five serves in a row the entire team gets something okay so you can do like a box of donuts or everyone gets an item from a certain you know breakfast store or whatever whatever you want to do and again it's very hard to do it so keep in mind you're not going to be out of pocket too much for that. Um, but yeah, so I encourage you coaches, you know, do uh, do whatever feels right for you, but I, you got to add at least one. Add one other additional win to a match that you can create for the for your kids and your team to just create that excitement and, and make it a more enjoyable experience. And again, we're all about experience. I, I, I teach it inside DVA. I'm all, I'm all I was talking about. In fact, I have an entire, I have an entire, if you like this kind of stuff, I have an entire live training on how to create the ultimate experience for your players on your team. And it's, we talk about stuff like this and we talk about a lot of other ways that you can do it. So if you like stuff like this and want to get more ideas and get an actual training on it, uh, go to Digital Volleyball Academy and just uh, put your information there on that main page and I'll reach out to you and um, we'll talk about how we can get you in DVA. All right. 
All right, that's it for me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I'll see you guys next week. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.